And I want you, as I tell this story, to position yourself for a miracle. I don't know what that is for you, but you know what you need. And God knows what you need. And so I just want you to position yourself for a miracle. And maybe you'll understand more of what I mean by that as I go along, or maybe God will let you know what he means by that for you as I go along. <clears throat> Bill and I had been married for 20-whatever years, and, you know, it looked like a good marriage. He was a good provider. We had a cute daughter. We had the good life. But there was a whole lot lacking that if you look beneath the surface, you begin to discover. And I, this is going to blow some of your minds, I had gone to seminary. I was now ordained as a pastor in a mainline church. I was an associate pastor. My husband's not yet saved. I know. I, I, I don't get it either, but that's the way it was. He's not yet saved. <clears throat> so... I'm lying in bed at night as he's sleeping, and I've got my hand on him, and I'm praying, God, get him, God, get him, get him, God, get him. Because, oh, I don't think I just told you, did I, that two days before I got saved, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. From what? Oh, two days before I, sorry, where did that come from? Two days before I graduated from seminary, I got baptized in the Spirit. Yeah, well, it was cool, but initially it freaked me out because it didn't fit my paradigm of anything, but God showed me. <clears throat> so as I began to realize that, oh, this is a good thing, and I, I, you know, it makes me a better me. It doesn't make me better than you. It, makes, it just helps me to be more of who God created me to be. And so I'd lay hands on Bill. God, get him. He didn't know that. He, he, he wouldn't have appreciated that, but I didn't really care. And I just figured if God got him, life would be perfect. I, I know. <laughs> How naive can you be? <laughs> so God got him. Big time got him. The man was just transformed in an instant from a complete unbeliever, I mean, unbeliever in the whole spiritual realm. He, he knew there was a God, but whoever that was was far enough removed that didn't really have anything to do with his life. And he knew there was a Jesus, but, well, he's dead. Although he used to say he was alive and Bill roll his eyes at me. <clears throat> and he went to church all the time. But, you know, that doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you... Or being, makes you a car, yeah. <clears throat> so, so God gets him. And he's just flowing with the Holy Spirit and power. And everybody's touching is getting healed, and he's on this mission to heal the world. And I'm looking at this guy, I'm going, who are you? And now life should be perfect. Well, it should be in my world, but it wasn't because that, for the first time ever, God had us in the place where he could do the deep work within both of us that desperately needed doing for us to be able to even begin being and living 
and having and doing all that he had created us for. <clears throat> so things started coming out because, you know, there's not room for lies and deceptions when the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and so things about Bill's previous life, previous to being saved, started to come out. And, and now here's the, the rub for me, is that, okay, that was all before he was saved. I've been saved. I've been filled with the Spirit. I've been ordained. I've been blah, 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 blah. I should be this really mature, knowing how to navigate life Christian. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh, man, I just, if I could have been that person, that would have been so cool. But I, that's not, I wasn't her. I wasn't her. And so I just kind of held all this pain inside as I started finding out the truth about some things and didn't really do anything with it <clears throat> except hurt a lot until finally someone came into my life that, because let me explain to you, the whole, the whole core of the, the hurt in me was rejection. And this huge lie that I had never considered a lie, I'd never considered it something I believed, it was a fact I knew, that kind of identified me and drove me was nobody really wants me. That, and we just don't have time to go into that, where that came from, but it came from the beginning of my life. Nobody really wants me. Okay, that's what I'm believing. Nobody really wants me. <clears throat> and I'm desperately, desperately wanting to be wanted. And now I'm finding out things that make me feel like, oh, I wasn't so wanted. And it hurts a whole lot. And I don't know what to do with it. And so I don't really do anything except someone comes in my life who appears to want me. And I'm thinking, this feels good. This feels really good. I like this. I'm, I'm not going to stop this. <clears throat> and it was what they call an affair of the heart, which is no better than any other kind of affair. It's as illegal as anything else. Because the truth is, I was looking for legitimate needs in illegitimate ways, looking to get those legitimate needs met in illegitimate ways. And so if, if someone would feed me, I want you, I need you, you're important to me, and that's making me feel good about myself, that's not okay. I'm sorry, but that's just not okay. Well... Bill and I were kind of struggling at this point anyway, and now this relationship starts developing. And I had a crisis of conscience, and I went and told him, and that didn't help the marriage. <laughs> How did these things work, you know? But it didn't. And we were two hurting, broken, very unhealed people who knew Jesus and were filled with the power of his spirit, and yet walking wounded. I'm just telling you this because I know that this can be true for people. And maybe some of you are hearing some things that are going to ring true for you, and it doesn't have to be my stuff or Bill's stuff, but it's going to make you realize, oh, I have my own stuff. Because 
that's the reality. We have stuff. He just wants to take it from us. <clears throat> Give us his stuff. His stuff's good. <laughs> so we finally got to the point, to make a really long story short, but, but not to take out the sweetness of it. We got to the point where we just had to separate. Well, I had to move out. I, we just couldn't be together. It was too absolutely painful. And so I did move out. And actually, we didn't either of us know this about the other. But at that point, we were thinking, okay, because this was beginning of November 1995. Five, and we're thinking, each of us separately, secretly thinking, okay, we're just going to get through the holidays. We're not going to put the family through a lot of trauma. I mean, the separation's enough of trauma, but we're not going to put them through any more trauma than that through the holidays. And then come the first of the year, we'll just put the marriage to rest and get on with our separate lives. So the Lord's talking to me during this time. And he's saying to me, Carol, this isn't going to work. What do you mean? Sounds like a good plan to me. He says, no, 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 no. You think that you have value because someone seems to be valuing you. That won't work. You're getting a sense of identity that you're an okay person because of what someone's saying to you. Won't work. You see, we have these needs. We have a need for unconditional love and acceptance, purpose, worth, identity, security. We have those built-in, God, God put in us needs. But they only can be ultimately met through Him. And, and then we can come to other people for what they have and are able to give, but it, but it can't be the, the substance of what we're looking for. That can only come from God. And He's telling me this. But it's like up here. It's okay. Okay, I got, I got the idea. You want me to come to you for that? Okay, God, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. But nothing's changing in here yet. And the things that I'm hearing from this other person, it's like, ah, oh, yes. It's like, you know, it's like water to a person thirsting to death in the desert. Or at least that's what it seems to me. Because when you have those unmet needs... You will drink poison thinking that it's living water. And only later discover that you're really dying from it. So God's telling me what you're looking for can only come from me. I'm going, okay, fine, but I don't know how to get that. How do you get it from here to here? How, how does that happen? I don't know, but God's telling me this. And then meanwhile, some things happen, and Bill and I, as he was telling you at the beginning, ended up at a church service, his church, that I hated. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> but you knew anyway. <laughs> well, I guess I have to tell you a little bit about the part of how I got there. Um, <clears throat> There were a couple of things that happened. Bill and I were in counseling, and there were a couple of things that happened that make, made me think there might be the tiniest glimmer of hope for our marriage. But I knew if there were to be any hope for our marriage, I had to end this other relationship. And so I 
I did. I just cut it off. I said, I can't have any more contact whatsoever. And I really felt like I had just thrown away the life vest. And now I'm out sinking in the ocean and I'm not going to live. <clears throat> that was on a Friday. It was on Sunday, two days later, that I ended up at Sunday night at Bill's church. And I, I just... Sorry, God, but I've just got to tell him this about you. He can be pretty sneaky. So I'm thinking I'm going to Bill's church that I don't want to go to, that I can't really stand, for my friend's sake, because she needs something that, that she might be able to get there. And she won't go without me. So, Bill, can we go? Oh, sure, fine. Invade my sanctuary. You already heard that part from him. So we're there, and unbeknownst to me, God's doing stuff in me, that I'm not even aware is going on, I'm actually finding myself enjoying the worship. That surprised me greatly. These people can worship? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so much work was he doing in me that by the time worship was over, and Sunday night service there usually was not a message. You just went from worship into ministry time, and so the pastor gets up, and I know him. Bill and I have been to him for a little bit of counseling, and he knows a little bit of what's going on with us. Nobody knows what God has been telling me about, you know, you're looking to get some needs met in ways that aren't going to get them met, and you've got to look to me, okay? Nobody knows that because I haven't told anybody that. But we go to the pastor for him to pray for us, and he takes us back into the a, a back corner of the room. <clears throat> and actually, we found out later that that corner had been designated the lost and found quarter. <laughs> corner. <laughs> so appropriate. <laughs> we were so lost. <laughs> Me especially, just so lost. And I always thought it was him. If we just get him fixed, life would be so great. I mean, look at me. I'm the pastor. I'm ordained. I went to seminary for Pete's sakes. I prayed you into this. It can't be me. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I know, I know. So we're back there, and the pastor just gently puts his hand on And I know he did it gently because I know that he knew that I would be hypersensitive to anybody attempting to manipulate, push, do anything. So he's just barely resting his hand on my shoulder. And he's praying along for me, and he says, and, and Father, I just pray that Carol would find her identity in you. And I'm on the floor. I'm one of them now on the floor. <laughs> I don't even care. <laughs> I'm loving it down there. And the next thing I know, Bill's down there with me. And our pastor told us later after that, he said, he said I looked in and I said, my work's done. And he just walked off. <laughs> so I sit up and Bill sits up. And the only way I know to try to put words to this, and it's very inadequate, but it was as if I had been wearing these dark-colored glasses, and they were all smudged, and they're cracked. And, you know, as you're looking through them, everything's just dark and distorted. And, and somehow, while I was down there, someone changed the glasses. And now I've got on glasses that let me see clearly. And I look at Bill. And I say to him, we can't be apart. I've got to move back in with you. And I hear myself saying, 
we've got to get to Toronto as soon as possible. <laughs> oh my gosh! Jehovah Sneaky attacked. <laughs> that pastor did not know what God had been saying to me, but he knew God. And God gave him the words to pray. And in that prayer, it got from here to here. And what I had been so hungry for literally all my life long, for unconditional love and acceptance, for knowing that I'm the one that makes your eyes sparkle, for knowing that you just can't do life without me, for knowing that you choose me, you want me, you fight for me. You give your all for me. That only could come from God. But I had been looking throughout my life for people to give me that. And I was at crisis point, truly in danger of just losing it all, at least for a period of time. I don't know for how long that might have been. But I know that I positioned myself. I did almost everything wrong, okay? I, I admit that. I did almost everything wrong. But the one thing I did right, and I didn't know it was what I was doing, and I know it was God working in me. It wasn't because I was now so smart and so great. But the one thing I did was when I knew God was saying, there's a chance for your marriage. But the only way that that can happen is for you to sever this septic tank that you're drinking from. Only it didn't feel like a septic tank, remember? It felt like life-giving water. And so as I'm severing that, I'm feeling like I'm killing myself. I've never said that before, and as I just said that, I was reminded of, you know, Heidi Baker when she told God one time, you're killing me, and he says, I'm dying, and he says, good, I want you dead. He does. He wants us dead to ourselves and alive to him, not so that we can be his puppets, so that we can be fully who he created us to be. That's a miracle what happened to me. I couldn't make that happen. Bill couldn't make that happen. The pastor couldn't make that happen. Our counselor couldn't make that happen. Only God. And he did. He came. <laughs> he came when everything looked hopeless. He came when Bill and I were ready to ditch it all. He came, and in effect, he said to both of us, I'm for you, not against you. I love you, and there's nothing that can separate you from my love. I will never leave you. I have what you need. Look to me. There's probably a lot of you here today and there's a need for a miracle in your life. Might be physical healing. 
might be financial provision, might be a relationship that is hopeless, could be anything. Nothing is too great for our God. He is God of all. Creator of all. Redeemer of all. He's not short on provision. Heaven is not bankrupt. No foreclosures in heaven. Why don't you stand? Here's what I would ask you to do. Position yourself. That'll probably look different for each one of you. You know what the miracle is that you're looking for. You've looked at yourself and you realize you come up short. You can't do it. For some of you, you've been looking in something other than a godly direction for that miracle to happen. You know, those things don't even have to look wicked. They don't have to look sinful. It's just you're not looking in a godly direction. You're looking in a direction that cannot, cannot produce the miracle. Whether it's financial, physical, relational, it can't produce the miracle. If you've been looking in some direction other than directly into the eyes of God, reposition yourself. In other words, shift your gaze right now. And in whatever way you've been trying to make it happen, let that go. Let that go. That doesn't mean you won't be smart about things. That doesn't mean that if you're battling some disease that now you just eat whatever way you want, you don't take care of yourself. Of course it doesn't mean that. But it means that you're looking to God. You're trusting in Him. If you're looking for a financial miracle, it doesn't mean, okay, now I can just run out and buy anything I want. I don't need to save. Of course, it doesn't mean that. But it means that you're not looking at your savings as the answer. You're looking to Him. I just have a very strong sense that there are a few of you in here and positioning yourself to receive the miracle involves some forgiveness. 
And as Christians, we all know that that's necessary. It's not optional. And yet sometimes, when we're in the midst of the pain caused by somebody else, it's really difficult to choose willfully to forgive. We just hurt so badly. How do I forgive? Take Jesus' hand. As you take his hand, I want you to feel the nail print in his palm. And I want you to recall when he hung on the cross, he looked out at the crowd. He looked out at the soldiers who had nailed him to the cross. He looked out at the ones who had chanted, crucify him, crucify him. And I believe with everything in me that he looked through all of eternity and he saw every one of us and the sin in our lives that necessitated his going to the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because he has forgiven you, because he has forgiven me, we can forgive those who have hurt us. As you hold his hand, if you find it difficult to forgive, start with, Jesus, I'm willing, and I can't do it myself. Help me. And if you can't even start there, start with, I'm willing to be willing. But I'm telling you, you've got to start. You've got to position yourself. And for some of you, that involves forgiving someone. You don't forgive because they've asked forgiveness and changed their ways. You don't forgive as if you're saying, well, it doesn't really matter. It didn't hurt that badly. I'll get over it. They didn't know any better. You forgive in the full knowledge of the pain that was caused, the injustice of it all. And you look into the eyes of Jesus and you feel the nail print in his hand and you say, Jesus, you forgave me. I will forgive. For some of you, the circumstances have created huge fear in your life. And positioning yourself means letting go of the fear. How do you do that? Again, you look at Jesus Look into his eyes. Somebody right now is saying, I can't see anything. Yes, you can. Imagine eyes, the very eyes of Jesus looking at you, and you say, well, that's just my imagination. Well, come back tonight and get some really good teaching on that. But for right now, let me tell you that your imagination is God-given. 
And when it is sanctified by the Holy Spirit, it becomes an entrance into that unseen realm. Look into the eyes of Jesus. As you look into his eyes, see the love, the love that's for you. See the power, the power that empowers that love. And in that place, just say to him, Jesus, I choose to give you the fear. I won't be run by it. I, I will, by the power of your Holy Spirit at work in me, I will stop rehearsing all the fearful thoughts. I will reject them. I will position myself by letting that go. And just hold your hands out now to receive. Holy Spirit, Spirit who indwells us because we believe in Jesus, Holy Spirit, release in each of us the love of God in a way that touches those places that need to be touched that heals those places that needs to be healed, that fills those places that have been so empty. Holy Spirit, heaven within us, <laughs> manifest in our lives. Manifest in us the riches of heaven. Manifest in us physical healing. Manifest in us the reality within our hearts, our minds, our spirits of the, the truth that we are loved. We are loved. We are loved. Oh, Father, even as you did that for me that night in Bill's church, do that. Do that in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of your people here, that they would know that they know that they know your love. They are your precious children. You have not forsaken them. There is nothing that can separate you from them. Holy Spirit, come. Come in power. I speak to bodies that are diseased and disabled, and I say come into order in the name of Jesus. Disease, go. Everything not functioning correctly, huh, come into divine order and function as God designed you to function. Sickness, go. Afflicting spirits, be gone in Jesus' name. Immune systems, come into divine order. Release killer cells, T cells, Everything necessary to maintain, to create and maintain divine health in physical bodies that have been sick. <clears throat> Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Father, I ask that what you did for Bill and me, you would do for hurting marriages right now, where there are marriages that are in trouble. Her husband and wife have needed things that their partner is not able to give, not designed by you to give. I ask that you fill that need right now in them. Show them who they are, who you say they are, that their identity would be grounded in you, your truth, your words to them. Come, Holy Spirit, more, more. Show, show. In the name of Jesus, I ask for any generational financial curses to be revealed right now to those who are struggling financially. Where previous generations have dishonored you, God, with the way they handled finances, I ask for revelations. And Father, where we have mishandled finances, search us, show us that we might be set free. I don't have the authority apart from your participation of just breaking generational curses over you. But if you have gotten a revelation of something right now, I want to invite you, just you and the Lord, you don't have to do this out loud, form the words with your lips, but first of all, start with, Lord, I ask forgiveness on my behalf for any ways that I have not been a good steward of the resources that you have given me. I ask forgiveness for hoarding. I ask forgiveness for being stingy. I ask forgiveness for not trusting you, but trusting in my own abilities to create wealth, to provide for myself. I ask your forgiveness. And I reposition myself, God. I declare you are my provider. From you, I receive all that I have. I will look to you, and I will listen to you and obey you as to what to do with what you do provide for me. I will not determine whether or not I can give based on what I know is in my bank account. I will give according to what you tell me to do. I will be your steward as you guide me. And now even as you've realized any generational curse that you've been under, again, just between you and God, but say to him, I ask forgiveness on behalf of myself and my previous generations. And if you know specific generations, lift them to him for the ways that we have mismanaged the provision that you have made for us. I ask forgiveness for the ways that we have been fearful and thought that we needed to be in control of everything. I ask forgiveness for not being stewards of your kingdom and your kingdom resources. 
I ask forgiveness in Jesus' name. And as you do that, then you give me the right to break the power of those generational curses over you. And I cancel their effects over your spirit, your soul, your body. I cancel their effects over you and generations to come forth from you. I cancel their effects to hold you back from having all that the Lord has determined for you to have. I cancel the effect of any financial generational curse over your life now in Jesus' name. And I bless you in Jesus' name to be one who receives abundance that the riches of heaven would be open to you and poured out upon you because you have been deemed trustworthy. The Lord knows that you will not mismanage his funds. He knows that you are his child and you trust him. I bless you in Jesus' name to be a people who are financially blessed who live from a place of abundance. I bless you in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask that within the next 24 to 48 hours, there would be manifestations of these miracles, health, relational, financial, that would begin to come, that would begin to just reveal what you have done in people's lives. And I bless you with the ability to recognize when that happens. That when it comes in seed form, you'll recognize it as, as the seed that it is and you will rejoice over it, you will give thanks, and you will nurture that seed. I bless you to be a people who gives honor and glory to God for all that he does. And I bless you to be miracle workers in Jesus' name. Amen.